During Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC clearance event, save up to 20% on new models like the 2023 Buick Encore GX or GMC Sierra 1500. View their huge inventory at robertbrogdon.com and find your perfect match. And now, on Sports Radio 810 Sports Center. This Sports Center is brought to you by the University of St. Mary. The University of St. Mary Online offers convenient programs at an accelerated pace. Learn more during a virtual info session on February 22nd. That's tomorrow, so register at stmary.edu slash rsvp. Mizzou fell just a bit short at home last night against Tennessee. Ranked number five, Mizzou led at the half 29-26, but ultimately fell short 72-67. Mizzou still winless in the SEC. Meanwhile, Eric Hosmer has announced his retirement after 13 seasons, four Gold Glove Awards, a Silver Slugger Award, and the World Series right here in 2015. In other Royals news, they have a jersey patch sponsor this year, which makes me mad. It's Quick Trip, which makes me happy. We're all conflicted. We'll talk to Mick Schaefer about that at one. But coming up next, Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus to look ahead to the NFL offseason. I'm Joshua Briscoe. This is SportsCenter. The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all-natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. All right, we're continuing right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll talk with Mick Schaefer coming up at uh, 1 o'clock, 913-912-4810 is the uh, text line. Jason Anderson, Josh Briscoe, and Dylan Michaels. We started off the show in the first hour talking some Chiefs football, talking about the free agency and questions and different possibilities. And, of course, that surrounds two big names for the Chiefs being Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Sam Munson right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's PFF underscore Sam on uh, the Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it today. Sam, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about you? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm doing just fine. I appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, before we look at uh, some of the things for this Chiefs team and some of the players that may be out there and uh, possibilities and names that are being discussed and uh, thrown around here in Kansas City, I'm just curious. One of the things that I've been wondering over the last week and a half is, you know, Patrick Mahomes is such a phenomenal quarterback, and um, you know, uh, as talented as he is. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with viewing this Chiefs team and saying how good the defense was and the defense leading them to a championship. And the question I've been asking people is, is it possible for the Chiefs defense to get their due respect or a dominant defense to get remembered historically for what they were able to accomplish when you have a Hall of Fame, one of the best quarterbacks that's ever lived on that particular team and had the final two drives like Patrick Mahomes had in the Super Bowl? No, I mean, they're always going to get overlooked and and sort of fade into the background when it comes to looking back historically and the legacy stuff. You know, when you look at Tom Brady and and Joe Montana during their careers, like those two guys were attached to some incredible defenses through the years, whether it was the 49ers or the Patriots. But all anybody is going to remember in years to come is – Montana and his Super Bowls and Brady and his Super Bowls, and it'll be the same with Mahomes. Like People will not remember that this was the best defense that's ever been attached to, to Patrick Mahomes during his time with Kansas City. It's not going to get its due respect, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't really a critical part of this year's Kansas City Chiefs. 
Yeah, um, it was uh, it was a big part, obviously, and and Patrick Mahomes is has been great and will continue to be great. And one of the things that's been going around for some reason, um, you know, Mahomes's career, Sam, has gone from you know he he throws the ball up there to Tyreek Hill and uh, just a gadget player throwing it deep. And then, you know, they've got this too high, so he's going to have to figure out what's um, what's there. And he's not adjusting to just taking what's there to then adjusting to taking what's there and being able to win that way to now it's his average depth of touchdown pass is not good enough, uh, apparently, for uh, for some around the uh, the NFL. The commentary around Patrick Mahomes, is it just simply because it's too easy at times to say, you know, he's the best in the NFL and let's move on and find who the second best? Or... Um, is it maybe today's social media that you know there's got to be something that we find to uh, to try to you know, uh, lift up somebody else or not? And does the average depth of touchdown pass um, you know affect you, or what do you make of that um, number continuing to decline for Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I think it's probably just the nature of the, of today's analysis and the way the world works right now. But I think fundamentally, what Mahomes has already shown that all great quarterbacks show uh, during their careers is the ability to adapt and change and evolve and come back to counter what the rest of the NFL is doing to counter what you showed them the first time. Like plenty of quarterbacks come in, you know, take the league by storm, have an incredible couple of years, and then defenses and the NFL adjust and they find a way of causing those guys problems and they play in a way that puts them in their most uncomfortable position most often and the best quarterbacks in the nfl find a way of adapting and and getting it done and attacking that uh, version of nfl defenses and continue to be a problem and mahomes has already shown that i think at least once maybe twice in his nfl career so far so that i think has already cemented him as an all-time great and yeah, we're seeing a different version of Patrick Mahomes right now than the version that took the league uh, by storm the first couple of years, but I don't think it's a worse version. Mm-hmm. It's just what he has to play right now to have the maximum chance of success, and it might not be the same version we see next year and 2025. It's going to be a constantly moving target. The, the final two possessions for the Chiefs, uh, going out there to tie the game at the end of regulation and then scoring the touchdown in overtime, uh, they score, you know, nine points of the uh, 25, but they have back-to-back scoring drives when they had struggled at, at different times. Did you see anything different with the Chiefs' offense, what they were doing, the 49ers' defense, what they were doing, uh, or is it just one of those where the lights are brightest and the clutch moments, if you want to call it that, and um, the have-to-have-it drives that Mahomes finds ways to come through? Was there anything different in those final two possessions other than, you know, Mahomes puts a cape on and, and does what uh, Mahomes does? Yeah, I think it really was was down to that. I think sometimes the longer you go in games like that, defenses are the the side of the ball to start tiring out. I mean, we saw that in in previous playoff games with with Buffalo. You know, that thirteen second to go type of game, defenses run out of gas, and they're they're able to do an incredible job against these offenses early in the game, and they're not able to do it late. But also, Mahomes clearly does have that clutch magic, that ability to 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 make it happen. Um, when he knows it's do or die, and, and he was able to get it done. How big is this offseason for the Chiefs with uh, the decisions on Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed? They don't have uh, the uh, number of draft picks they've had the last couple of years, but uh, and they have Mahomes that has a, an escalating contract with the salary cap. Um, how big is this offseason, do you think, for the Chiefs in the front office and, and, and how big these decisions are for them to make? Yeah, it's, it's 
definitely big. I mean, the, the Chiefs are in a situation, obviously, with Mahomes' contract that every year it's more difficult than it was when he was on a rookie contract. And, you know, it's more difficult than it will be for other teams to have a quarterback on a rookie contract. But it's still a fairly team-friendly deal that Mahomes is on. Um, what makes this year so uh, big for them is that the players involved are, you know, two at least of their sort of five most important players on the roster. I mean, Chris Jones has been their most important defensive player for a few years now. Legereus Sneed has emerged to being one of those guys as well and was a true elite uh, number one type of corner last year. And both those guys are, are scheduled to be free agents. So it's definitely a, a huge year for them because I think the magnitude of the players we're talking about is, is so fundamental to their success going forward. Is it tenable for them to bring back both Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed moving forward and still be able to field, um, you know, after Mahomes and Kelsey and, and Chris Jones and, and, um, and Legereus Sneed to be able to field 5 through 53 um, and, and a good enough roster overall? Or, or are the decisions the tough ones that they have to move on from one or both of them to continue to keep their window open? I think they could do it. It, w- it would be stretching it, and it would absolutely um, be sort of pushing the boundaries of that. But you know, when you start looking at teams like this, contending teams with a quarterback on a big second uh, contract that's earning a ton of money, you know, there's only so many salary cap dollars to go around, albeit a, a, an inflated number every year. It's, it's only going upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, you look at these teams and you say. There's probably five or six guys that you can pay top-of-the-market money to on your roster, and then that's it. That's the end of the big deals, and everybody else has got to make do with the remainder of the salary cap pie. If you are allocating that money, obviously Patrick Mahomes would be number one guy on that list. Travis Kelsey would be in there as well. But Chris Jones and Legereus Need would be two of the other guys in that top five or six when it comes to contracts. So even though they're both coming due in the same offseason – I think they have the money to make that happen, um, and those would be two of the guys that you would want to invest that money in. So we may, be, we may end up in a situation where they simply can't get both deals over the line, but I think they could make that happen if they, if they're, if they want to. Who would you prioritize? Uh, we talked about this in the first hour, Josh and I did, of going and, and discussing sort of what the money might be, what the guaranteed dollars might be, obviously different for Snead and, and Chris Jones, and Chris Jones is going to be demanding a, a higher contract, but... Uh, who would you prioritize, um, it, it, not, not just like, um, okay, this guy's better, but given the fact that the money is going to be different, the guaranteed dollars will be different, the cap hit will be different with Chris Jones than uh, Legereus Need. I, I would prioritize Chris Jones. I think he's arguably the best player at his position in the NFL, um, has been for a couple of years. The impact that he makes, the ability he has – to come up in clutch moments himself, you know, almost a defensive version of Patrick Mahomes. He seems to be able to de- determine throughout the game when is a critical third down situation. Here's where I'm going to move out over the right tackle, run him right over and get a sack. It's invaluable. And the gap between him and the next guy on the roster, certainly, but even in the, in, in the sort of available alternatives, I think is huge. Whereas with Legereus Need, as good as he's been, you know, Trent McDuffie has shown that he can kind of replicate a lot of what Legereus Need brings to the table. And while you would absolutely rather have both of them than only one of them, if you had to move on from Legereus Need, I think you would have a lot of confidence that McDuffie could step in, be that guy, 
and then, you know, backfill from the draft or lower down the depth chart in a way you simply can't do with Chris Jones. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, one of the examples that, that I would use is that uh, final play of regulation in overtime. Legarius Sneed was on the field, um, and Juwan Jennings had a touchdown if it wasn't for Chris Jones for some reason not being blocked. Uh, but for them not blocking Chris Jones and him coming through and, and uh, getting the pressure on Brock Purdy as quickly as he did, um, and and we've seen him close out games a lot, like the closer in the fourth quarter and making sacks and tackles and and getting his team off the field. Um, that's that's one of the reasons why you know I'm with you with uh, with Chris Jones. It's going to be more money, and he's older. Um, but the Chiefs have thrown some numbers at the defensive back position, and and I wonder if you know moving forward if they look at it and say you know Chris Jones is our force multiplier, and you know we can find some guys to fill some other spots. We've got Trent McDuffie. Um, and and we've got some depth there, and that depth becomes better if Chris Jones is there on the defensive line and we're pressuring the quarterback as opposed to the depth and the guys in the secondary covering aren't as great if the guy's got five or six seconds to throw. Yeah, I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship, coverage and, and pass rush, but I think Chris Jones has shown that he has an incredible impact on the entire defense, and that ability he has to dial up pressure and big plays at the most critical times, I think is absolutely real. Um, the way he has the freedom to move along the defensive line, find the favorable matchup, and you know just show up when it's third and ten in a critical game situation, I think he is a proactive force on the offense in a way that Snead or McDuffie or anybody in the secondary just isn't. They're they're more reactive, sort of passive parts of that that, that might have a big play at the right time, but, but Jones is able to dictate that in a way that the secondary isn't. Does their team become better with a force multiplier like Chris Jones there in the middle of the defense, or, or does the defense become better if there's a, no negative player? There's no hole that's there on the defense, and you just simply have representative players across the board, some better than average, some you know just average. Um, you know, what, what's a better way in, and, uh, of building the defense? What's a more productive way, an efficient way, do you think, in the mind of uh, some of these defensive coordinators, in your mind, of building a defense? Having a Chris Jones there and having a couple of other spots that are just negatives and, and you got to hide that guy? Or if you got to take Chris Jones away and put somebody in there that is good or better than, better than average, but you don't have just a, a, a zero result, a, a weakness player out there that teams can pick on? Yeah, I mean, I think both things are really important. I think defense generally is a, a weak link kind of enterprise, and, and ideally you don't want anybody in the entire defense that can be picked on, but Jones has shown that he has the ability to dictate plays uh, mm-hmm. at the most important times so he can paper over a lot of cracks. And it's really the balance of those two things that determines which is going to be the better defense. We've seen you know, defenses last year's, the 2022 version of the Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett was playing at a defensive player of the year level that year as well, but it didn't make a difference because everybody else was getting picked on. This year, we saw a much better version of the supporting cast of Ryan Miles Garrett, and suddenly he actually does win defensive player of the year, and we see his impact in a lot uh, more obvious a way. So, you know, Chris Jones and what he's able to do and what he's able to bring to the table is massively impactful and invaluable to this defense. But if you erode the talent around him, there will be a point, a tipping point at which level that it just doesn't make a difference. There's too many, too many weaknesses and too many gaps to attack that even a guy as good as Chris Jones can't offset that by himself. 
visiting with Sam Munson from uh, Pro Football Focus. Mike Evans has been talked about around here as a possibility or somebody that they would like to see the Chiefs go out and sign. I mean, he's uh, he's older. The Chiefs typically don't go out and sign free agents whose age begins with a three. It's not really what they have done. It's not the market they typically shop in. Um, there are you know wide receivers out there like T. Higgins and Michael Pittman Jr., Mike Evans, I mentioned. Marquise Brown has been talked about. Calvin Ridley, you know, is uh, 29 years old right now. Um, Mike Evans and, and Calvin Ridley, maybe Marquise Brown. But I, the top two, T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, do you expect both of those guys to be uh, to be franchise tagged? And Mike Evans is not going to be – it's going to be almost $30 million to franchise tag him. That's not going to be the case. But is Mike Evans the best that may be just an absolute free agent, unrestricted free agent out there on the market for the uh, Chiefs? Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think Higgins and Pittman are probably getting franchise tagged, and Mike Evans at least should be available on the open market. And I think if he is, he's the best uh, option that will be there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Mike Evans would be a fascinating addition to the, the Kansas City offense. Um, the one thing that I think Mike Evans would be uh, characterized as is incredibly reliable. I mean, he's got obviously that streak of 1,000-yard uh, seasons to start his career, but He's always there. He's always reliable. He's got size, speed. He's got more ability to separate and get open than I think people give him credit for because of the size and um, and the sort of contested catch skills that he brings to the table. But, you know, the, the Chiefs have not necessarily had a history of receivers like that mm-hmm. being paired with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I'm all for simply changing up the options that Mahomes has in any given season because I think that probably ha- aids in that evolution of his game that we talked about before. Is it better to uh, to spend that money elsewhere and maybe spend that money on defense and, and continue going about attacking the wide receiver in the secondary market, not secondary players, but the secondary market, um, and, you know, a second rounder or four, or through, through the draft, you know, second rounder, Sky Moore, second rounder, Rasheed Rice. Well, uh, you, if you go in the second round and draft somebody else and you get a Sky Moore again, well, good luck, um, especially if Jones and Snead aren't both back. But you go in the uh, second round and find another Rasheed Rice or a player that can give you that particular uh, uh, production, then, yeah, you're much better for it. Uh, is it a, a better strategy to go and, and disperse some of that uh, in draft picks and, and players as opposed to let's go out and spend you know, uh, you know, $24, 25000000 million per year and, and $70 you know, uh, $60 million guaranteed or whatever on a Mike Evans, and, uh, and he's that one guy to pair with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey? Well, I think what you just sort of outlined there is why, you know, the draft shouldn't be plan A for any single position, right? Because you can't guarantee that you're going to get Rasheed Rice over Sky Moore. The draft is still something of a lottery, and it's still something of a gamble, and it should always be uh, a bonus. You should, you know, fix the roster in free agency and with veterans and make sure that your starters are all nailed down so that when you get to the draft, you can pick best player available and you can grab a guy that if he turns out and to be Rasheed Rice, then great. We've, we've made a huge addition. We've taken a massive leap forward with this team because of the sort of unexpected, um, uh, talented player that we hadn't budgeted for. But if it turns out he's Sky Moore and he's not going to make an impact, it's not going to sink everything. So you know, this is another great year, I think, for receivers in the draft. Uh, I, I don't see them as mutually exclusive. You know, you, you make a determination on Mike Evans and whether we need a guy like that to come in and add to this receiving core or if we can make do with what we have and, and a lower price of, of free agent um, and then add a receiver anyway in the draft because I think that's just good strategy and, and good roster construction and good management. 
and I think it's why you want to be drafting, you know, as many times as you can and mm-hmm. and have those picks available. Is there a player you like a wide receiver that's not the um, you know, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Calvin Ridley of the world that's out there that might be you know more affordable or somebody that you could see come in and and um, play on a, on a reasonable contract. You're not you know paying them uh, Tyreek Hill or Mike Evans money. Is there a guy out there that that you like that you know might be overlooked in free agency that can make a difference? I mean, one player that nobody is talking about is Tyler Boyd from the Bengals. I mean, all the focus is on T Higgins and whether they're going to franchise tag him. We're just saying goodbye to Tyler Boyd. That's a given. But neither is there a huge sort of clamor for, oh, who's going to sign Tyler Boyd? But we've already seen that he can be a really important, you know, number three receiver for an AFC rival team to Kansas City. I mean, if the Chiefs were able to steal Tyler Boyd away from Cincinnati, I think that would be an overall excellent offseason move and one that wouldn't break the bank. I mean, he's a bigger receiver. He doesn't drop the ball, and he likes to block in the run game. I'd say that fits uh, <laughs> some of the things the Chiefs like uh, in their uh, in their receivers. Not dropping the ball would be a nice uh, uh, premium for the Chiefs this year. Uh, Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus. Last one for you, Sam. He's got three already in six years. When his career is done, uh, what number are you looking at for Mahomes and Super Bowls? It's a pretty good start, all right. Um, yeah. I guess it, the, the big X factor there is how long he's going to play. You know, mm-hmm. Brady got to seven because of how long he lasted in the NFL. I'll say that Mahomes also gets to seven but does it in fewer years. Fewer years, seven in fewer years. We'll write it down. You are stuck with that, Sam. You can't ever change that now. It's, it's written in ink. Actually, I just pricked my cool. finger. I'm writing it in blood. Uh, Sam, you're the man. Appreciate it as always. Uh, enjoy the podcast as well. Uh, keep doing your thing, and uh, we'll catch up down the line. Sounds good. Take it easy. Absolutely. There's Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus. Um, he gets to seven, but in fewer years than uh, than Tom Brady. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll I'll certainly take that. That's that's fine with me. I mean, if if that's that's the worst thing in the world that uh, that the Chiefs end up getting. Field Yates said eight, and Sam Munson goes with uh, with uh, with seven, um, getting Munson in the middle of nowhere. I uh, I think at that point. Patrick Mahomes has fewer non-Super Bowl winning seasons than Tom Brady does. That would be the checkmate, goat status, goat competition over. Yeah, that that would be the math of it. I feel um, like we just spin it that way. If he's done uh, seven in fewer years, That's it would easy. be less years of not winning the Super Bowl. It's a for slam Patrick dunk. Mahomes. Um, I actually hope he wins seven in um, in in uh, twenty eight years of playing football. Because that means it'd be you know that many years of watching Patrick Mahomes play football. A lot of losing there too. I don't mean, it's a this, lot of Patrick Mahomes is, quarterbacking. Is it though. because is it because in his in, his entire forties he is just crippled back there? He's barely moving. <laughs> he's just sort of winging it. I'm excited to see what the uh, commentary will be when he's 44 years old um, and some of the numbers. Well, you know, I mean, I know Patrick Mahomes has eight Super Bowls. But Josh Allen's been to one, and look what he's <laughs> doing when he's throwing the ball there. He's still I mean, throwing it to Gabe Davis. That's wild. Do you understand how much smarter Joe Burrow is than Patrick Mahomes? I mean, Mahomes has eight Super Bowls. Joe Burrow's been to three. But do you understand how smart he is over Patrick Mahomes? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, man. How much help does he need? I mean, what uh, father time? He needs help from him, too? Listen, here in uh, 2037... All he's doing is throwing deep balls. He's got to learn to manage the game. I'm just saying. If he was an elite quarterback, he'd know how to take the underneath stuff. All you got to do is just take what's there. I mean, take what the defense is giving you, man. It's unbelievable. This guy is such a gadget. You know what I'm, I'm thinking? You trade Tyreek Hill, people are going to get exposed. You guys remember Brock Purdy? That's an elite quarterback. Yeah. 
don't just throw it up for anybody to go and catch gunslinger. You're not Brett Favre. Mahomes. Brock Purdy was legitimately more of that guy this year than Patrick Mahomes was, and that is never going to land for anybody. Like, for people who don't want to get it, it's never going to land. What else did you want this man to do? He's playing backyard football, street stuff. Some of the uh, the mental gymnastics that are taking place right now. His career has significantly evolved at least three times, and he's been elite every time. Dude, I mean, I don't hold a few tweeters to an entire fan base, sure. right? They don't sure. represent the entire sure. fan base. Right? What did Bengals fans say this time? Uh, well, no, it's... Um, Niners or, the same or Patriots. Bills. Uh, the, uh, it's expanding. That football is expa- expanding, though. Back-to-back years, Josh Allen's rushing touchdowns are longer than Patrick oh. Mahomes' passing touchdowns. Great. Back-to-back years, Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you know, you know what Josh Allen didn't have? A longer touchdown run in the Super Bowl than Patrick Mahomes did uh, passing touchdown. Because Mahomes had two passing touchdowns, a total of 19 yards. Josh Allen doesn't have more Super Bowl anythings than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but now you're just picking and choosing stats. It was another one from the from the same guy. And again, again, it's not one person. He's 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 one of their big uh, tweeters or whatever of, of Bills Mafia. And it was um, something along the lines of uh, Eli Manning was two and zero versus Tom Brady in the playoffs, and one and three in the regular season. Patrick Mahomes is 3 and 0 against Josh Allen in the playoffs, but he's 1 and 3 in the regular season against him. Like Yeah, but Tom Brady won Super Bowls. Don't think that <laughs> Tom, argument is helping you like Tom, you think it is. Tom, Tom Brady won 7 Super Bowls and Josh Allen went to a conference championship game so far. Also, Patrick Mahomes is one Super Bowl win away from tying the Mannings <laughs> for Super Bowl wins. That like the Manning family. We we have all of this Super Bowl here. Wins. I'm, I'm preaching into the choir, but <laughs> it's just funny. It's insane that <sighs> there are people who are trying to do like statistical gotcha with Patrick Mahomes when we all watch him play football. We've all seen it. I mean, this this isn't. No one's like, well, let's see the advanced analytics on Mahomes. Watch him. <laughs> I'm getting choked up just you thinking are. about it. Absolutely. Unbelievable. So frustrating. Clearing your throat, trying to clear all the riffraff. Just look like, watch him play football and look at any number that any smart person has ever found. I think it was a 49ers person that said, uh, looked at the uh, numbers of the average depth of uh, touchdown pass target that's been going around the last couple days um, and said, um, as we've, we keep hearing about all this amazing arm talent for Patrick Mahomes and now look since he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Like, did you see did you the see, one that I tweeted about? Like, the hold on, about arm you're, talent? A, you're a 49ers uh-huh, fan, uh-huh, tweeter, uh-huh. and in the game against the 49ers, he was rolling to his left, didn't come to a complete stop, threw back to his right, 55 yards in the air, 55 air yards from where he threw it to where McCole Hardman caught it, and you're looking at the average depth of touchdown passes and saying that's the arm talent here's the thing 
Maybe stop reading about football and start watching football. Or do both. Just do both. No, no, I want you to start watching football. I will, and, and actually, I'm not sure we should assume that they can read. Um, did you Did you see the <laughs> they screenshot? They certainly can't see. They certainly can't process. Did you see this? I tweeted a screenshot of a crazy conversation a couple of days ago. Have you seen this? Oh, I saw that. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, okay. I don't want to spoil Did you see it also, Dylan? I think you did see it, right? Okay. Don't spoil it. Let's go on the other spoil. side of the break. Okay, let's do that. There is, there oh, is some really just, good analysis that so people are going to really love. It's so you can, beautiful. You can it's play so along at home. I won't spoil it here. Oh. You can play along at home. And um, we're going to just do a little exercise in figuring out if you're spending too much time on Twitter.com or not. Nine one three nine one two four eight ten text line. We were talking about Anthony Rendon in the previous hour. Says. Texas, uh, I get it, but good grief. What a spoiled player, completely out of touch with reality and baseball fans. Um, a contusion is a bruise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I know. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> missed uh, 20 games with a uh, contusion. Um, Texas, um, that guy's a bum. Uh, shin contusion? I know guys like him, like him can't stand that crap. It's theft. Yeah, I mean, again, it's... Um, is it a priority? Do you want to be there? Are two different things, two completely different things. A priority versus the priority. Yeah. There's well, there's wiggle room. And look, man, my main priority in my life is my family. Sure, that make. How dare you? How dare you? We'll see, and that's where it's getting uh, conflated. But no, that makes sense. It's getting conflated. That like, there makes were, sense. There were people that came out, and I understand that people came out and were defending Anthony Rendon, and they're like, he's catching too much flack for saying that his family and faith is a bigger priority than baseball. I don't think that I wouldn't. I'm not holding him. I'm not giving him flack because of that at all. No, I'm I'm perfectly fine if somebody says that. What he also said that is being missed is when he said in 2014 he had to do a pro and con of whether or not he still wanted to be in baseball. That was in 2014. And he signed seven years, two hundred and forty five million dollars. And now all of a sudden he's been on the I.L. nine times in the last three years and has missed 300 games. When somebody doesn't want to be at work. They don't come in sick. They they call in sick more often. Oh, I just can't get in there today. Sorry, I'm sick. Like Josh last exactly. Thursday and Friday. Exactly. You know? I was, I, <laughs> just... It would have been the most selfless thing I could have done would have been get you dead sick. <laughs> uh, you play hurt from time to time. You got to play hurt. And it doesn't seem like he plays hurt all that much. And and somebody and, and for... Uh, to be fair, somebody texted in and said, well, how many games did Mike Trout miss um, with uh, Anthony Rendon? And I get that point. But Mike Trout signed his big deal and the next three years played like 140 games. You know, like he has had injury issues. Mike Trout has been an injury, uh, an injured player. What I know is Mike Trout saying he would die for the Angels. I don't think he would actually do that. I hope not. Um, but he, I would he, say it's not worth it. He doesn't want to be traded. He wants to see the thing through. He wants to stay being a part of the Angels. He wants to see them go out and spend money on a free agent and, and help build the team because they you know couldn't sign o- Otani and all of that stuff. He wants to be there. And Anthony Rendon saying, um, I'm... It, it's a priority because it's my job. The quote I, here, I, I never been a top priority for me. Yeah, it's never been a top priority. Even, but then he a also top said, top priority. But then he also said, well, priorities have changed now that I've got a family and kids. Like, what, well, what, were, the pri- what were the priorities before? Wow. Yeah, and he was asked, do you want to be here? Point blank, do you want to be here? And he said, well, I already answered that question. Why do you keep nitpicking? I've already answered that question. 
The guy and the reporter said, well, technically, I guess, when you said it's a priority, it's my job. So those are some of the texts coming in um, with that. Rendon also said he wouldn't wish uh, the life of a baseball player, uh, his life, on anybody. I, I tell um, you what, I was just pulling up a, a story he's here. made $200 to, million dollars in his career. Pulling up a story here to have some of the exact quotes in front of me. And this Yahoo Sports article, um, I'm gonna Ryan Young writes this. It's a great comparison. And, and I want to contrast it, more importantly. The comments sound very similar to how Denver Nuggets star Nikola Jokic feels about his job. Jokic, after leading the Nuggets to an NBA title last season, was immediately ready to get home to Serbia. He didn't even want to go to the team's championship parade at first. <laughs> then he enjoyed the championship parade. He said he was glad he was there. And he, he, is, he has said on the court that he just wants to go home. He wants to finish doing his job and go home. That man wants to be in Serbia with his horses. But the dude is a basketball savant. And when he's out there, you you see what he's giving. If he's giving less than 100%, I don't want to see what 100% Nikola Jokic looks like. <laughs> that man is incredible. But his is weird, and maybe there's a little cu- kind of cultural filtration kind of thing that makes it a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic is, is, the most, is the most, I'm doing my job, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be flabby, and I'm going to be the greatest basketball player you've maybe ever seen. Like, he's going to be in conversations of greatest players in this era. And... I, I get it from him. You know what I mean? Like, he he is still putting it out there every time he's on the floor. You see that he cares about the game he's playing, but also he's excited to get back to Serbia. There, there is something with Jokic that kind of balances that's still very much the outlier in professional sports, certainly to say that out loud. But it doesn't feel – he's not apologizing for, for his life, and he's not mm-hmm. saying, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. He's saying, no, this is – I got – I'm making a bleep ton of money, and I'm great at this, and I love my team and my teammates. I don't want to leave Denver, all of those things. There, There is something softer about – well, Jokic is a person. But uh, Jokic, just his uh, flabbiness. <laughs> There's something softer about the way that Jokic has operated in that space than the comments from Rendon. I don't know exactly why that hits different, mm-hmm. though, but I think it does. Well, and, and it, it hits different around here because – I mean, there's a reason uh, uh, there's a fan favorite and a guy who offers a lot of frustration. There's uh, two different players. When Salvi is 33 years old and plays 140 games this last year, played 161 games a few years ago as a catcher, and is on record as saying what he said about wanting to play every day, comes back early from injury, and is playing for a team that's losing 100 games, and he's still out there. I would bet if you said, rank the priorities in your life, Salvi, I bet faith and family would be above baseball. Mm-hmm. That's the type of person that he that he seems like. I bet faith and family would be above baseball. In fact, I would hope it would be. You, you want for people to, yes, you want that to be a healthy I order. Would, I would I would hope that that would be the case. If he was single, sure, right. and agnostic, right, <laughs> then I would like the priority number one to be whatever you're getting paid a hundred million dollars <laughs> to play. Baseball. Okay, but whatever, whatever, right? <laughs> he was uh, he's got no family and um, is is an atheist. Whatever, um, you know that that's fine, but. Religious, have a belief, have faith, and your family, priority number one. But if somebody asks Salvi, do you want to be here? He's not going to say, well, I already answered the question by saying my job is my priority. Yeah, He's going to go, yes, I want to be. That's why I play every day. You would never in a thousand million years ever, no one would have the guts to ask Salvador Perez that question. Do you know how dumb you would feel? And how how everyone else would look at you if you ask Salvador Perez, "Do you want to be here?" 
because it's evident. It, it is it radiates off yes. of him. That dude loves baseball more than anyone I've maybe ever seen play baseball. He he's on the far end of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so there's never any doubt whatsoever. This is what he is here for every day. And he yeah, he's talked about, like you said, and wanting to be out there for people with harder lives and worse jobs and less money being there to get some joy by watching Salvador Perez play baseball. Like that and that's special too. Again, Salvi's almost, he, he may be alone in that. Certainly, he's in incredibly good company. But if there's anything that we can maybe value more in the light of what all the Rendon conversation, appreciate Salvador Perez while he's here. No, I was just going to say that I think that a lot of people will be surprised at the amount of professional athletes that don't like the sport yeah. they're playing. Agreed. It's just they use inside voices with those <laughs> thoughts. There's not like a, yep. oh, no, I said it's it out loud. And also... It is their job, and that's how they look at it, more so than not liking the sport. They're like, hey, this is my job. I get paid to do it. I support my family, mortgage, kids, futures, tuition, all that, and that's why I give 110% every day. They don't even say that, though, Mm -hmm. and that's why I think that Anthony Rendon's comments are getting the due uh, spotlight. Yeah, and not because faith and family are are my number one priority. Those are actually some of the best baseball players that do have those priorities. And, And he just needs more Rube Baker in your life, okay? Rube Baker, Major League Two. They had to. They were playing a doubleheader. They come in from the first game. He takes a, um, you know, a, a foul ball off the foot, and he can barely walk. And everybody, he goes into the uh, clubhouse, and everybody's complaining about having to play another game, and blah blah blah. And uh, Rube Baker stands up and is like, "This is the gall darn Major Leagues, boys." I talked to a kid the other day who hails from downtown. He said the biggest patch of grass he's ever seen in his life is one we get to play on every day. And I love playing baseball. I'm not going to act like my pig just died just because we ain't doing so good. <laughs> and I know somewhere along the line, you guys love to play baseball, too. I'm ready to play, Coach, if you need me. Let's go! See, maybe that to uh, Rendon. And Rendon whistle! like... Whistle! <laughs> Rendon, whistle! No, thank you. Going home. You had a tweet, right? I had a, a, tweet. a tweet that was out there, something about uh, something about quarterback or I had a tweet Rube Baker. About quarterbacks. Or, yeah, was Rube, it Harry my, Doyle? My Rube Goldberg machine led me there to this go. tweet. Um, so there, I don't remember what the origins of this even were. This is just kind of uh, some some people going back and forth and some mentions about quarterback play. But I'd like to highlight the work of somebody named Slander Season and boy howdy, uh, prophetic. I'm going to read you um, a couple of tweets here, and I total want you, great assault by the way, whatever he says. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll get there. Um, go ahead and play along at home, and I want you, as you're listening, to try to guess the quarterback who is being discussed here by slander season. I will play because I'll guess the quarterbacks as I was reading them. As you were thinking he was in talking real about. time. Yep. So he starts, once again, you want to hold him. To, this is also we're t- comparing him to Mahomes. Yep, yep. Once again, you want to hold him to the same standards as a player in better situations. Winning eight games with a team that gives up 30 points each week is a lot more impressive than winning 12 games with a top five defense. Someone replies, you said he's better than Mahomes, you imbecile. (laughs) That is the reply on this thread that has the most likes. The next tweet. He has more arm talent than him, but they're on the same tier of QB. Okay, Burrow. I'm at at Burrow right now. I mean, more arm talent than than, than Mahomes. Oh, I thought he was saying... Mahomes has more arm talent than the other this, person than, than the other quarterback. So you're gonna go Josh Allen as well now. If it well, if if it's he has more arm talent than Mahomes, then I'll go Josh yeah, Allen. Me too. Um, this is it's Burrow. If it's he yeah. is Mahomes, yeah, he's saying 
He he is saying the well, quarterback you know he's what? talking about. This is he? tweet seems like it should be the way that you were first reading it. His last tweet, okay, completely turns out on its head. So, so then, I'm not in slander season's head at this point. So therefore, at this point, it could be he could be either the quarterback he's arguing for or Mahomes. I think this is the quarterback he's arguing for. Okay, so that moment you can then say, I'm going Josh Allen or maybe like Justin Herbert if you're trying to whatever you could know. Be. But at this point, I would say Allen. I thought he was Mahomes, so I was going Burrow. That makes sense. Totally yeah, makes sense. Right. Sure. C.J. Stroud's really up and coming. Mm-hmm. I thought about yeah. him in this thread. Absolutely. Then yeah, someone sure. else, uh, Wicked King, responds, I really didn't need yep. to see that level of stupidity on the first official Sunday with no NFL. <laughs> and then slander. Okay, final final votes, everybody in the crowd, everybody listening right uh, now. Final votes. Burrow or Allen is where I was at. So yep. um, I know the answer, but Burrow or, or Allen is where I was at because those would make the most sense for anybody with common sense or a sense of what the NFL football game looks like or what a good player looks like. Slander season dismounts with, if you think Mahomes has more arm talent, you're wrong. Carr can make every throw Mahomes can, but Mahomes can't make every throw Carr can. You're right. Mahomes does not make all of the throws Carr does to the other team. I, somebody pointed out that, no, Patrick Mahomes has never thrown the ball away on fourth down. <laughs> which is something that Carr did last year. Oh, my God. If I, you think Mo, so that That was an M. Night Shyamalan twist. Oh, sh- absolutely. Nobody, absolutely. Because after that, we all saw dead people in this person's <laughs> tweets. Because there were just skull reactions with that. Like, I'm dead. I, I just, uh, really? You're arguing that David Carr... I don't care if you're arguing Derek or David. <laughs> Either way is fine. Either of the cars, okay? You're arguing one of the car brothers. I think there's a Darren car. David, Darren, Derek. Diners, drive-ins, dives. Daniel Carr. Rolling out. Lloyd Carr. I don't this care. Car. Name any Jimmy car. Jimmy Carr. <laughs> so here's where I think this is can, this can be an informative lesson for our offseason. Uh-huh. You will get into Twitter arguments if you are on Twitter. What? You will see bad takes on your TV if you watch TV. But there are people out there who are arguing that Derek Carr can make every throw Mahomes can, but Mahomes can't make every throw Carr can. Keep that in mind, Chiefs fans, when you're arguing with um, the dumbest people in, in, in sports. Keep that in mind this offseason because you may not need – you don't need to win every argument because some of the people you're arguing with have already lost to themselves. <laughs> I have deleted – if I go to my deleted uh, tweets right now. Well, you can see um, your deleted tweets? You could, or your drafts, I mean. Oh, okay. I, uh, I, have, I have deleted but then put them in drafts Excellent. just in yes. case. Yes, yes, yes. Um, just in the, in the last week <laughs> – a Bengals fan saying about the um, AFC Championship game last year about the injuries that they had to face. Okay, got it. That uh, we were missing our cornerback one and Tyler Boyd, but I guess that doesn't matter, nor what Chris Jones did. It's all about Mahomes, right? He was saying the defense led Mahomes because he was saying that um, the only reason Mahomes has won a couple of Super Bowls is Joe Burrow being hurt. Uh-huh, okay. Even though last year Burrow was healthy yeah. and Mahomes, but it doesn't matter. Well, in the year that Burrow got through the Chiefs, he did win the so Super I, Bowl. I, I type out, Sneed, five greater than, uh-huh. over Awuzier, uh-huh. and the Chiefs lost Sneed on the opening drive. Uh-huh. Willie Gay missed the entire second half. Juju, McColl, Tony all got injured during the game. Mahomes on one ankle. Burrow couldn't beat that team. But losing Boyd clearly meant T and Chase couldn't get it done. I deleted that tweet uh, because I'm like, you know, 
I, I don't need to Proud of you. get into all that you're, stuff. You're objectively right. right, and everyone listening right now is like, Jason, you're right. Yep. Um, but that guy doesn't need to know. Another tweet comes out and says, you know, if CMC doesn't fumble, if Trent doesn't go get back-to-back penalties, if the ball doesn't bounce off Luter's leg, if uh, they block Chris Jones on that drive, if if they don't blitz Mahomes on the third down and six, man, I'm going to be thinking about that forever. And I just replied, sounds like the only if needed is if the 49ers were better. That's what I mean, that's But then I deleted at. that one, too. Probably. Then I, I deleted that one and put it in the uh, save drafts just in case. It deserves it. Um, and then, um, and then the other one that I tweeted out was the the, the guy that had said that Eli Manning two and O the, <laughs> the Bills guy, and I just said, you know, Tom Brady went to I'm so more than one conference championship game, and Mahomes is one Super Bowl away from tying the Mannings record. Uh, since you're looking at regular season wins, so now it's regular season wins for both Burrow and Josh Allen and the Raiders. <laughs> Listen. Uh, apparently that's the best chance you're going to have of beating Mahomes is to do it in the regular season. So go ahead and make it your Super Bowl. Worked out pretty well for the Eagles. But here's the thing. Here's what's great. Here's what's awesome. We used to do that with the Patriots. Yep. And now Patriots fans are losing their minds because Brady and Kelsey are better than their prodigal sons. Don't be a dummy, dummy. We need to issue a correction. I mean... Don't read texts and tweets while ending the segment. Why? What might happen? Well, reading texts about Brady and other quarterbacks, and you say something like, I used to do that with the Patriots, idiot. And now Patriots fans are losing their minds because Brady and Kelsey are better than their Mahomes. 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 Brady and Kelsey. Brady. Brady and Kelsey... They are better than Brady and Gronk. and Gronk. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine how good he would have been then. But Patriots fans losing their minds. The fact that David Carr <laughs> is better than Brady.